o'clock this morning. Uh, Susan and I are really glad to be here. We came out of another COVID isolation on Wednesday. And uh, so it's been a kind of stop, start, start to our time here at uh, Warunga. Uh, I, so I want to pray that we hear this part of God's word and allow God to challenge our hearts to action. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark's gospel that it invites us to lift our eyes to the majesty of Jesus. Take these words this morning and write it on our hearts that we might live lives thankful and forgiven. We thank you for Jesus, uh, for his authority to forgive and his willingness to forgive. Help us to leave here rejoicing in your Son. Amen. Uh, I'm not sure what your thoughts on first dates are, there's a new reality TV show called First Dates Coming. I'm not much of a reality TV kind of guy. But I think the show works on the premise that when you get two very different kind of people together, the awkwardness of it makes good television. Please let me know how that show goes. Uh, uh, I'm not much of an authority on first dates. My last first date was in 1984. It was with Susan, which tells you it was a successful first date, and I didn't have to go anymore. Apparently, someone like Josh knows a lot more about first dates than I do, <laughs> and you might like to talk to him about that. Ooh. This is my first date with you as a preacher. And so over these weeks and months, it'll be an opportunity for us to get to know each other, but more importantly, for us to get to know Jesus. And what I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came into the world to save me and you. And so as we uh, look at Jesus through Mark's gospel, uh, we continue to uh, see him in action. Uh, this morning in chapter 2, we're going to hear his opposers. We're going to notice as we read through Mark, the level of opposition increases to the point that he's taken to the cross. And the opposers this morning are going to ask this question, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, and in this particular passage, there's a number of other questions that come under that heading. Why does Jesus cleanse lepers? Why does Jesus forgive cripples? Why does Jesus welcome tax collectors? And in this passage, Mark uh, not so much tells us the answer, he shows us the answer in the lives of three people who all in their own way are spiritual outcasts of the day. And so I want to have a look with you at these three scenes so that we might be reminded Jesus came into the world to forgive sinners like you and me. Let's have a look at scene one. It raises the question, why did Jesus come to cleanse? And we meet his interaction with a, a man with leprosy. Uh, chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, as we're coming back to Mark's gospel, it might be one of your old friends. It's worth being careful readers to read the details. And as the uh, leper 
falls on his knees and cries out, if you are willing, make me clean. Did you notice Jesus' first response? It's a response that's surprising. Uh, Verse 41 says, Jesus was indignant. When I read it afresh, I was surprised by that. Some of our English translations blur over it, but there it is. Jesus was indignant. We don't want to rush past the details. And it raises the question, what was Jesus indignant about? Was he indignant because an unclean man came and approached him, rendering unclean according to the ceremonial laws of the day? I don't think that's what we see here. Was he indignant uh, because here was the Son of God and he has a grief for seeing someone caught up in the sickness of a fallen world? Perhaps that's floating around in his thinking. But I think the verses are leading us in another direction as to why Jesus is uh, righteously uh, indignant here. I think it's because the leper has a hesitancy about whether he will be willing to help. And we can see that in what Jesus says and does next. Uh, The leper comes to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing. Be clean. And we read in verse 42 that immediately the leprosy leaves the man. Jesus speaks and the man is healed. Now, even if Mark is an old friend of yours, uh, each time I read these moments, I am reminded afresh that here is another demonstration of the authority of Jesus over creation and sickness. Here is another sign that when we meet Jesus in the Gospels, we're meeting the Son of God who's come to seek and to save the lost. And it's a physical healing that allows us to praise God and be uh, thanks for Jesus. Now, a physical healing in and of itself is something to say, thank you, Lord. And I'm sure, as we see, the leper praised God for that moment. But Mark is careful to take us deeper into this uh, moment with the leper. And you'll notice that in verse 43, Jesus says, uh, he sends him away with a strong warning, don't tell anyone else about this. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, if I had time, I could take you back to a Leviticus uh, chapters 13 and 14. There are laws about people with skin diseases that bar them from being able to come into the temple until they're made clean. And there's a process of being declared clean once healing has happened. And so Mark is careful to show us that it's not just about the man's physical healing, though being cleansed of leprosy is a good thing. In fact, here is a moment when Jesus opens up the way that this man can come back into temple worship, uh, worshipping God with his people afresh. Uh, Sue and I in the last week tasted what it's like to be isolated and cut off from fellowship Uh, The COVID rules, uh, which uh, Sue was positive, meant that we had to isolate for the week. Uh, Andrew and Josh kindly came a couple of times and delivered lunch. I'm sure I heard Andrew come to the door and say, unclean, (laughs) unclean. 
Is he always like that? We're still getting to know each other. I'm not sure what that's like. Uh, Sue's physical condition barred her from face-to-face relationship. Uh, Last Sunday, we were supposed to have a nice lunch with Diana Marshall and uh, some of her friends. She kindly sent me that picture and said, here's what you missed out on. (laughs) I think she was trying to be kind about that. But again, notice that Sue's health condition meant that we weren't able to go to lunch. Diana actually kindly brought the lunch to us so we could share in that. And so it is for the leper. His physical condition barred him from temple worship, meeting with God and his people according to the Old Testament ways. And Mark wants us to see that it's not just a physical healing, but Jesus frees the man to return to the temple to be, uh, to be cleansed. And so I really want you to notice the cleanse language here. In verse 40, Jesus says, be clean. In verse 42, we read, immediately the leper was cleansed. In verse 44, Jesus said, show yourself to the priest for your cleansing. The language of the temple is used by Mark deliberately to help us see that it's not just the physical healing, now that's a good thing in and of itself, but there is a spiritual healing going on that Jesus opens up the way for this man to come back to temple fellowship with God and his people. Jesus came to cleanse. Jesus came to cleanse the leper. And Jesus came to cleanse us that we might enjoy fellowship with God and his people. Jesus came to call the unrighteous back to fellowship. Now, the second scene builds on the first. And I think this is one of those scenes, if you've been travelling in uh, Christian circles for a while, that I'm sure you've heard before. And it raises the question for us, why does Jesus forgive? It's a scene that builds on scene one. And uh, in chapter two, verses two to four, we get a bit of setting the scene. There's a few things worth noticing. It's a few days after the leper So Mark connects the two scenes. Jesus was in Capernaum, a northern town on the northern part of the Galilee where Jesus did a lot of his public ministry. The crowd had heard and uh, there was uh, uh, many crowds came to see him. And when we go back to the first scene, we see that the leper had not kept quiet as Jesus had asked him, But in the enthusiasm of being made right in his body, he told everyone and the crowd came to meet Jesus. You know this story too, I'm sure. There were four men who had a friend who was crippled. They knew enough about Jesus to think if we bring him to Jesus, he might be able to help. Uh, They got to the building. It was chock-a-block full. They took their friend up on the building. They made holes in the building and lowered him down. Now, I'm speeding through that because it brings us all to verse 5. Here's the scene. A crippled man lowered down the roof in front of Jesus and Jesus speaks. Uh, He saw their faith and he speaks to this man. What does he say? Look, I'm really busy at the moment. Can you take him and I'll deal with it later? He doesn't say that. 
He doesn't say what we expect him to say. Uh, Stand up, be healed. But what he does say is surprising. And it's delivered with all the tenderness of a father and a child. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now immediately we see that Jesus looks beyond the physical need of the man in front of him and sees into his spiritual need. We see that Jesus has come with authority to forgive. And it's a surprising thing. My son, your sins are forgiven. Before we can think about the wonder of that, We hear a grumbling voice in verse 6. We hear the voice of the opposers of Jesus. Uh, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now we're going to hear the voice of the opposers grow and grow to the point where they put and plot Jesus' death. Uh, We see their orthodoxy. There are men who know their scriptures well. And they know from the Old Testament scriptures again and again, if I had time I could show you many places where we are taught, only God can forgive sins. Uh, Let me take you just to one, Psalm 86 that we had read for us before. Uh, King David says this in verse 5, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love. To all who call to you, hear my prayer, O Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. Or in verse 15 of the same psalm, you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Here was a truth that the grumblers about Jesus grumbled about. They knew that God alone, here was their logic. Jesus just claimed to forgive this man's sin. Therefore, Jesus must be a blasphemer. In their blindness, they failed to see that standing before them was Jesus, Son of God, God in the flesh, with all the authority of God to forgive those before him. Uh, And interestingly, in verse 8, Jesus shows his divine insight. He knows the heart of the grumblers in the crowd which is slightly unnerving when you think about it. Jesus has insight into their heart condition as Jesus had insight into the heart condition of the uh, uh, cripple laid out before him. And he says, why are you thinking these things? And he puts a question to them. Which is easier? Is it easier for me to say to this man... Your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier for me to say to this man, get up and walk? I was thinking about this in the last week. Both are difficult for you and me. But Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So I'm going to say to this man, get up and walk, and that's what he does. And the man stands up. 
and walks out of that room to the amazement of the crowd. Uh, Jesus used the physical healing as a sign of the deeper thing that he came to offer this man and the world, uh, the spiritual healing of forgiveness of sin. Jesus heals the crippled man uh, as a sign of the greater authority that he has to forgive in a way that God alone forgives. Jesus came into the world to offer forgiveness. And there is a great refreshment for us to remember that Jesus came into the world to forgive me. And Jesus came into the world to forgive you. And as a spoiler alert, Mark is ultimately going to show us that forgiveness was secured by the Son of Man laying down his life as a ransom for many at the cross. But I really want you to read with us over these next few weeks and months so we can take in the slow burn that Mark gives us to see that. The mistake of the religious self-righteous here is not reeling that they too need forgiveness and not realising that Jesus is our source alone for true forgiveness and peace with God. And I'm wondering if this morning that's your mistake. Uh, it can be difficult for some to realise that I need to be forgiven. And so the self-righteous, rather than amazing and praising Jesus for what he did, they grumble about him. Like the leper, the physical healing points to the greater authority of Jesus to forgive. Uh, the scene ends in verses 11. Jesus says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view. That's extraordinary when you think about it. He came crippled through the roof. He walked out to the amazement of the crowd who said, we have never seen anything like this. Forgiveness is a great gift that only Jesus can offer us. And forgiveness is a costly gift that only Jesus can pay for us. And so this morning, this passage challenges us to take the things we need to be given, forgiven for to Jesus. And he takes those things to the cross that a cry for mercy finds the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. Uh, scene three really brings it all together for us and asks the question, why does Jesus welcome sinners? It's a short episode. In verse 13, it sets the scene. In verse 14, it describes the action. And in verse 15, it ends in a dinner party. Have a look with me. Uh, verse 13, again, Jesus is walking beside the Lake of Galilee. The crowd are following him. He's teaching them. And in the middle of that, his eyes see a tax collector. Now, I think if you've been raised in church circles, you're kind of raised to go boo-hiss to tax collectors. One of our eight o'clockers worked with the tax office and he said he finds these passages offensive. <laughs> You'll be aware that tax collectors were spiritual outcasts for different reasons, because of their dodgy practices in working for Roman authorities. They were considered to be traitors of Israel, corrupted by wealth. 
I was trying to think about a contemporary equivalent, and I thought maybe it's the used car salesman or the lawyer or someone like that. I don't, I, I don't know if there's any lawyers here. I apologise. It's not you. And so we read Jesus sees Levi in his booth, and as brief as you could describe this incident, Jesus says, follow me, and Levi got up and followed him. We've seen that authority before with the fishermen in chapter 1. Jesus has authority to call sinners back to himself. Uh, Levi is going to go on to be part of the 12. Uh, He'll have his own role to play as a writer of Matthew's gospel, uh, recording the life, death and teaching of Jesus. Uh, But I want you to notice in verse 15, Levi is not alone. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. It's not just one tax collector, it's many tax collectors. And there's a marvellous moment where Jesus calls Levi, Levi calls his friends, they have a dinner party together to recognise the majesty and forgiveness that Jesus offers. Now, there's a lot more we could say about that scene. The thing that I want you to notice is verse 16, again we see the religious self-righteous grumble. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And it's Jesus' answer that gives us the punchline to this whole passage. Jesus, again, hears their grumbling. And he he says this, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And in this passage, Mark has shown us what that medical picture looks like. Jesus cleanses a leper, so he can come back into temple fellowship with God and his people. Jesus forgives a cripple, so him walking out, praising God, draws in the crowd. And Jesus here welcomes a tax collector to table fellowship with him. We're invited to lift our eyes and see the compassion of Jesus and the majesty of Jesus and say, Alleluia, what a saviour. Here is a glimpse into the mission of Jesus. He's come not to call the righteous or at least the self-righteous, but he's come to call sinners, which is a great relief for someone like me who has failed God in many ways, in my thoughts, words and deeds, And it's an invitation to be a great relief for you as well. Alleluia. What a saviour. Well, I want to finish this passage by asking you the question, where do you fit in? Whose shoes do you wear in this story? Do you stand with the unrighteous? And by that I mean, do you stand with those who need to Seek the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe there are burdens and failures that you have on your heart that are unresolved, unresolved, like the leper outside of temple fellowship, or the cripple in need of forgiveness, or the tax collector seduced by their love for material wealth. 
And uh, the personal question is, is that you? One mistake an unrighteous person can make is to think my failures are so dire, how could God forgive me? At Forestville, I had opportunity to do ministry in one of the Anglicare villages there, and a little while back, one of the ladies uh, booked an appointment and she wanted to say to me, in my life, I have done terrible things. Won't go into details. And she said, how could God possibly love me? And I had the opportunity to be able to say, the good news of Jesus is that he came into the world to offer forgiveness, to offer cleansing, and to welcome you back to the table. That woman came into that meeting, laid down by her burdens. She left that meeting rejoicing in the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And maybe that's you here this morning. I want to encourage you, and this passage does, it reminds us that Jesus came to cleanse you. That Jesus came to forgive you. That Jesus came to offer you fellowship at his table. When we cry out to the Lord, have mercy on me, he says, I am willing. Please cry out this morning for the burdens that are on your heart. Secondly, it puts the question to us, do we stand with the self-righteous here? We've seen the religious self-righteous grumbling about Jesus. The self-righteous person is caught up where rules are more important than relationships, where property is more important than people, where power is more important than service. And it may be that you wrestle with that kind of thing in your heart, as we all do from time to time, and maybe you're wrestling with it here and now. This passage reminds us that Jesus is Lord and you are not. And so it invites us to lay our hearts on him, to seek his forgiveness, to turn to him in repentance and acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of all things. Thirdly, it may be that uh, you stand with the righteous. And by that I mean the righteous in this passage are those who have been forgiven by Jesus. It's important to understand that. We're righteous not by what we do. We're righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. And Mark's going to unpack that for us. The leper rejoices and he goes against Jesus' advice and he tells everyone about this cleansing he's experienced. The cripple walks out of that crowded room, praising God and everyone saying, this is an amazing thing. The tax collector, having been called to follow, holds a dinner party to celebrate Jesus. At the heart of the Christian life is gratitude and thankfulness. And sometimes when we take our eyes off our forgiveness, we forget to say, thank you, Lord. I'm living my life each day in service to you. So here's a challenge for us, the forgiven, to live life in a state of thankfulness in our words and our deeds and our thought to wake up each morning and say, thank you, God, for what you have done for me in Jesus I rejoice, 
I'll tell others, I'll praise the Lord, I'll live in a way that honours you. So Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I have not come to call righteous but sinners. And me as a sinner standing before you, they are words of great relief. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Let me pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the majesty of Jesus. We thank you for the compassion of Jesus. We thank you for the willingness of Jesus. We thank you that he came into the world to call us, to cleanse us and to forgive us and to call us to table fellowship with him. We confess the failure of our hearts and minds and acts. And we are thankful that he laid down his life so that we might know forgiveness from you. Help us to take hold of these words, change our hearts and help us to live lives of thanks for what Jesus has done for us. Amen.